Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. It is good to see you. It's good to be with you. Spent most of my week trapped in an ice storm in Dallas, Texas. <laughs> so it's good to be back home and be able to be with you. We didn't know for a few days when we would get home. But uh, we were at a gateway conference and um, had a little extended stay. But it was an adventure. But um, it's good to be with you all this morning. Um, just in way of a couple quick announcements this morning, we'll, we'll throw an announcement slide on the screen here. And remember, uh, tomorrow evening, if you are in middle school or high school, Please come out to our Generations Building in our 110 uh, night at 6.30. Bring your middle schoolers and high schoolers out. It's going to be an awesome night for them. Also, remember, every Wednesday at noon on Instagram, we go live for about 15, 20 minutes. We just pump you up with something in the middle of your week. Also, this week is First Wednesday. So if you have never been out the First Wednesday before, uh, here's what we do on First Wednesday. This is an extended time to worship and minister. There are programs for your children. If you want to join us for prayer, we pray from 6.15 to 6.45. If you can't be here till 7, we kick off at 7. We're going to do some worship. And this Wednesday night is going to be a healing night. I'm going to minister for a few moments on healing. And if you need healing in your body or you know somebody that needs healing, they don't have to be from our church, bring them out. That's this Wednesday. And then Thursday morning, you are welcome to join us in the Generations Building from 11 to 12 for an hour of prayer. So that's things that are coming up this week. Remember, first Wednesday is this Wednesday. And so as I mentioned, we're going to wrap up a series. We're doing a series um, right now called First Things First. And we're just um, settling the number one issue uh, question in our lives. And so I've been asking you some questions in, in this series. First of all, I've been saying, to whom do you belong? Who do you belong to? I know everyone says, I belong to God. Well, if you belong to God, who owns all your stuff? Sometimes we want to belong to God as long as he doesn't mess with our stuff. But if we really belong to God and he really owns all of our stuff, then that brings up the last question. is just how responsible are you with everything that God has entrusted to you with or blessed you with or honored you with? And so this series is about first things first in our lives. I'm going to just review real quick then jump into what we want to say this morning, week number one, we talked about what it means to become responsible. And really, this is a series about stewardship. I know we don't use that word a lot. That's really the Bible word for management. And so to be a steward means that we take care of what's been entrusted to us by someone else. And so God has entrusted things to you and to me. He's entrusted, obviously, riches or wealth. He's entrusted relationship to us. He's entrusted his word to us, our witness. He's entrusted our, our opportunities. He's just entrusted so much into our hands. And the thing that he requires, we've learned, is faithfulness from us. So we talked about uh, what it means to become responsible, and we said some, th- some things like this. God doesn't promote poor management. We said that... Um, Good management is the pathway to great blessings, and we said that you're the one who really determines how responsible that you are or that you become. And in week two, we did a message called Becoming Responsible to Bring It, and we said it is our best or our first fruits or the first fruits principle or our very best. And we said that what God blesses is our faithfulness. Faithfulness reveals what you honor, and faithfulness is the catalyst for your increase. And then last weekend, we, we talked about the importance of being content and becoming responsible to protect what God has put in our hands. And we do that by prioritizing God's position in our life, by prioritizing gratitude for what God did put in our hands, and prioritizing being accountable for what God has entrusted in our lives. And so we're going to wrap up this series. Hopefully you've been getting something good out of this, this series. You know, we started off this year saying, it's the year of God's glory being revealed and a lot of times we get excited about things like that, but, but we don't like to talk about things like being responsible and managing our opportunities and managing what God has placed within our hands. And, and so that's where this series comes. And we're going to move out of this series next week into a brand new series called Faith Works. And it's important for us. The Bible says that faith is the key. And I just want to say, just when you think you know all you know about faith, I'll surprise you with a few things in the next series. So we're going to talk about how faith works because 
Um, to receive anything from God, God provides it by grace, but it's received by what? Faith. So we need to keep learning about faith. The Bible says you, you, faith comes by what? Hearing and hearing and agreeing. And so we're going to talk about that over the next few weeks, how to get equipped with greater faith in, in your lives. But that's next week. Here's what I want to wrap up this week. I want to talk about becoming responsible to expand it, to expand it. Everyone say Expand. So we've talked about some things like responsibility, accountability, faithfulness. So I want to talk about this idea of expansion and expanding things. And I thought I'd start off with, with a few more questions. And, and don't raise your hand on these. Just These are, these are some evaluators in, in, in your life. So I want you to think about which is expanding or which is increasing more in your life. Is stress increasing more or peace? How about this? Praise or complaining? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Sickness or health? Things of the spirit or things of your flesh? Which, which is increasing more in your life? Heartache or hallelujahs? It just went together. It sounded good in my head. Blessings or curses? Encouragement or discouragement? Purity or impurity? Freedom or bondage, joy or grief, fear or confidence, or doubt or unbelief. If you just evaluated some things in your heart, in your life, what's manifesting, what on those lists would be increasing more? And I'm sure some areas you say you're doing good, others not as well then. But here's what I want you to know. As, as humans, there's always something increasing in our life. Because we're made to be increasers. Let me prove that to you. Let's go all the way back to the beginning of the Bible. Genesis chapter 1. I want to read you two verses. These are, these are familiar verses, but verse 27 says, So God created man in whose image? His own image. When God did his creating, he made you and me in his own image or his imagio Dei, which means this, not in the shadow of God, but from the DNA of God. So we are not just a shadow of God, just a, a dimness of God, but the Bible says we're made of his essence, and we're made of his image. And so when God created, he made you and me in his image. In the image of God, he created him, and this solves a puzzle right here for us. He created them male and female. There's a lot of confusion about that in our world today, but there was no confusion in the beginning. He made them male and female. He created them. So after God made them in his image, then God did something. Then God blessed them. Everyone say blessed. I'll come back to that, that idea in a few moments. So God blessed them, and God said to them, be what? Fruitful and Multiply, fill the entire earth, subdue it, take dominion over the fish, over the birds, and over the living things that move on the earth. So the Bible says this, that God created you and me in his image, and he blessed us and, says, be, and said, be fruitful and expand or multiply. From the very, very beginning, we see purpose. We see a job. We see a responsibility that you and I have. Now, you have to understand how this unfolded. The, the, the earth was created, and there was a little garden at one spot on the earth, and God looked at Adam and Eve, and he said to Adam and Eve, expand this garden over the entire earth. And that was their responsibility. So we see from the very beginning that humans like you and me were made in God's image, and part of God's image is to what? expand. It's to be fruitful and it's to multiply. Now we understand that that meant have, have children and offspring, but it also meant what you put your hand to would what? Increase and it would expand. And the original intention of God, even though sin entered, his intention and plan never changed. His original purpose for you and I is the same today as it was in that garden, even though sin had entered. So that's why we can see in your lives, you have the ability, the ability, the capacity to increase things. That's why either peace is increasing or stress is increasing. Joy is either increasing or grief is increasing. 
Are you with me? It's just something because we're creative. We have this capacity for things to expand, and I believe it's the will of God, and it's our responsibility. Let's, let's go to the book of Luke, and, and let's read a parable. We've been reading some parables during this series. A parable is a story that Jesus used to illustrate some points. In verse 12 and verse 13, Jesus um, is, is, is telling a story. And so verse 12, it says, so he told them a story to change their perspective. I want to preach you a sermon today to change some of your perspectives on things. So Jesus tells a story to change their perspectives. And he said, once a, a really wealthy prince left his province to travel to a very distant land where he would be crowned king and then he would return. But before he departed, he summoned or brought his 10 servants together and he charged them and he said, I'm entrusting each of you with $50,000 to invest while I'm away. Trade with it, put the money to work until I return. Now I want to just for the sake of time, jump down to verse 16. So we, we, we see this prince who's going away. He brings his stewards to him, and he, he gives them a certain amount of resources, and he tells them to take what I've given and expand. So verse 16, the, when he comes back, the first steward comes forward and says, Master, I, I took what you gave me, I invested it, and I did what with it? I multiplied it. Splendid. You have done well, my excellent servant. Because you have shown that I can trust you in this small matter, I'm going to grant you authority over 10 cities. The second came and said, Master, what you left me with has multiplied five times. His master said, I also grant you authority in my kingdom over five cities. And another came before the king and said, Master, here's the money you gave me. I hid it for safekeeping. You see, I live in fear of you. For everyone knows that you're a strict master and it's impossible to please you. You push us for a high return on all that you own and you always want to gain from someone else's efforts. And the king said, you're a wicked servant. I will judge you using your own words. If what you said about me is true, that I'm a harsh man and I push you for a high return and I want gain from others' efforts, you should at least put that money in the bank so it would earn some interest. And the king said to his other servants, take this money that he has, give it to the faithful servant who multiplied my money 10 times over. Now there's a lot of stuff in this, in this parable and in this story, but remember Jesus said, I want to share this with you to change your perspective. And he said, so um, this, these servants were entrusted with something from their master. And some of them took that and expanded it and multiplied it because that was, that's what they were to do. But one said, you were, I know you're a harsh owner, so I hid it. See, he didn't understand the nature of God. And it's important for us to understand the heart and the nature of God and the purposes of God and the will of God. And no matter what you feel or what you think or what you've been told, when God declares something over you and about you and creates you a certain way, that's the intention, plan, and will of God. And I want you to know, if you look around this room, that this is a room full of people with the gift of creative expansion on them. You've got the blessing of God on your life. You just need your perspective adjusted. Because I hear these things. Well, we're in, a, we're in an impoverished area. We are under a spirit of oppression. Can I help you with that? You are not impoverished, and there is not a spirit of oppression on you. There may have been, but that's not what God created you for. So you need your perspective to shift. The blessing of God is on your life. The will of God is on your life. The hand of God is on your life. It doesn't matter where you live. If the blessing of God is there, you're blessed. And your surroundings, the culture around you, cannot Keep back what you are created to do if you understand who you are in Jesus and the blessing that's on your life. And so, therefore, we need to be, we need to be faithful with, with, God, with what God has entrusted to us without letting culture tell us how to conduct ourselves or what we're to expect. So I want to make some pointers. Do you feel good this morning? All right, let me, let me make some pointers. Here's the first life point, that maintaining is the enemy of multiplication. To maintain is the enemy of multiplication. The Bible didn't say that God created us in his image, and we're just to maintain status quo. 
He didn't create Adam and Eve and put them in a garden and say, just keep things status quo. Don't get too stressed. Don't, don't worry about it. He, he, said, don't, he did not say maintain these things. Sometimes maintaining becomes our goal. Maintaining is not the will of God. It's not the word of God. The word of God is always about expansion. It's always about growth. It's always about increase. It's always about fruitfulness. Our goal is not to retire and sip iced tea. That has become the American dream. Well, I'm just going to push and one day I'm just going to sit back and do a lot of nothing. Retirement actually isn't in the Bible that way. Now, I'm not saying you can't retire and enjoy yourself. Don't misunderstand me. I'm just saying your goal was not maintenance. And your goal was not, your goal was not to peak and pitch a tent and camp there the rest of your life. You should always be going what? Higher and higher and higher in what? In all things. The Bible says he wants to take you from one level of glory to the next, to the next. So don't make your goal just to retire and sip iced tea. That, 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 that's, a, that, that's false. Now, I'm not saying there's not an hour and a day to, to, to enjoy the fruits of your labor. Enjoy, but some people just, they just get to a place and I'm just here until it's over. And that is not the will of God. Y'all understand what I'm saying? Maintenance is the enemy of multiplication. It's actually the opposite of expansion. To multiply is the opposite of just maintaining things. Maintaining isn't stewardship. Expansion, growth, increase, investing is. And that's the only thing God rewards is faithfulness and increase or multiplication. He doesn't reward maintenance. Let's, let's just talk about some things. How about your spiritual life? Do you know how many believers are just in maintenance mode? They got saved, and they're just in maintenance mode till Jesus comes back, or they quit breathing. Your goal should always be to continue to get revelation, learn, adjust, grow, expand, become more useful in the kingdom, grow past where you were yesterday. But there are a lot of frustrated believers because they're in maintenance mode. They hear the same sermon every Sunday. They get their spiritual spanking every Sunday. They sing the same few songs, and they go home to the same life, and they never open the Bible. They never grow. God never changes them. And listen, that, that's not the way God created this thing. That's not the goal of God. The Bible says this, a good steward multiplies. Now, that doesn't mean you make it happen on your own, but you do the things that God requires, and God does the expanding, and God puts his blessing. But he said that he created them, and then he blessed them, and the result of the blessing was fruitfulness and multiplication. If you understand that you are blessed, now listen to me. It doesn't matter how messed up or how poor or how jacked up your, your, your family tree was. The moment you became born again, you were born into royalty, and there was a blessing on your life that may not have been there before, but it's resident there now. I always said, you know, there's, there's a lot of cray-cray in your family. If you can't locate it, it's you, right? But <laughs> it works every time. I love it. But are you hearing me this morning? You're blessed. And when you're blessed, what happens in your life is if you continue to understand the blessing of God, you will be fruitful, you will multiply, you will increase. So what does that mean? That means a good steward understands multiplication. But see, remember what Jesus said? You need a perspective switch. Because the one steward that was a wicked steward, what did he do? He hid it because he said, I know that you are a harsh harsh master. Well, I want you to know God's not a harsh master. We need to understand the heart and the mind of God. But a, a good steward multiplies. Or in other words, that means he nurtures, he grows that which is entrusted to him, and he's given more. But the Bible says a poor steward just maintains. And, and, and so the concept of a wicked servant, which we just read about, means this. They're lazy, slothful, and they're indifferent to things. And you will experience loss. Now, I want you to understand a principle that's in the Bible. What God says is, I will take from those who are unfaithful, and I will give to those who already have and they're being faithful. 
Now, that's not how they try to work things in our government, in our economy. But God says, when you're faithful with little things, I want to trust you to greater things. If you just have this much, if you're faithful with this much, God can entrust you to greater things. Because you're proving yourself responsible. He'll trust you to greater things in the business world. He'll trust you to greater things in your family. He'll entrust you to greater things with spiritual things. If you're faithful to what God has put in your hand, God will entrust more to you. But this maintenance thing is the enemy of multiplication. Here's the second thing I want you to know this morning. That fruitfulness is the friend of, of the faithful. Fruitfulness is the friend of the faithful. So this maintenance thing is the enemy of the way God designed you. But this fruitfulness thing for the faithful, that's how we roll. If you are in a vital union with Jesus, and you are getting revelation of the word, and you're responding correctly to it, there's going to be something that happens in your life, and your life is going to become fruitful. You can't stop it. If we just did an equip class with, with several people, room full of people, and the equip class was going deeper in God. I love the class because they were just hungry. They wanted to learn how to go deeper, how to go deeper. And we use the scripture from Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. It says, we progress further in our union with Christ. What's that mean? Going deeper with Christ. I, I want to know more. I want more revelation so I can respond. Because here's the deal, and, and I know I've said this, but there was a time in your life that you were in darkness. Different levels of darkness. But until you um, had revelation, which means the lights came on. So darkness and ignorance is the devil's playground. It's his home field advantage. But when you get revelation and you respond to it, guess what? You pull him into your home field advantage. You pull him into your turf. And now you're operating out of some revelation. You're operating out of with the lights on instead of with the lights off. Uh, let, let's, um, let's go to Genesis chapter 12. And I know I use this verse a couple times every year, but, but it's, it's, it's absolutely applicable. And I'll, I'll share my little story with it. When Pastor Diane and I first took this position to be pastor here, we had some obligations still where we were working. So we spent Wednesday nights in Ohio, and we spent Sundays here for a few months. And one late Saturday night, I was touching up some things to say on a Sunday morning to you all. And some of you weren't, you all yet, you weren't here, but I was working on some things and I just stopped. I said, okay, God, is this, this is, are we just passing through? You brought us back here. Is this something significant for us to say and do? Uh, what, 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 what's going on here? And God took me to Genesis chapter 12 and gave me these couple verses for you all. So you've heard that before, but Genesis chapter 12, talking to Abraham, we can apply it to ourselves, right? Every word in the Bible is yes, and it's amen. Everybody say, it's for me. Y'all doing all right? Here we go. Now in Haran, which means a parched place, the Lord said to Abraham, go for yourself and for your advantage away from your country, from your relatives. I mean, no, you just got to get away from those crazy people sometime and, and go away from your father's house and, and go to a land I'm going to show you. And as you do that, God's going to do something. I will make of you. See, God's in the business of continuing to make you. He, if you're still breathing, you are not done yet. He's still making. He's still working on you. Thank God you're not who you were. You may not be where you're going yet, but you are not who you are. Can anyone say, thank God I'm not? He's making you. He's working on you. You just need to cooperate. Let him work. Look at someone say, so he's talking to you. And I will make of you a great nation. Now, Abram and his wife at this time had no children. They were advanced in years. And yet God's got a word for Abram. He says, I'm going to make of you a great nation. And look at this. What's he going to do? I'll bless you. I'll bless you with an abundant increase of favors. I'm going to make your name famous. I'm going to make you distinguished. And you'll actually end up being a blessing. And you will dispense good to others. And I will bless those who bless you, who confer prosperity or happiness on you, and I'll curse those who curse you or use insolent language towards you. In you will all the families and the kindred of the earth be blessed, and by you they will bless themselves. God's talking to Abraham, who had, who had no lineage, no offspring, and no legacy. And God says, I'm going to do something in your advanced years. I'm going to do the impossible. I'm going to make of you 
a great nation. And I wonder if God would say that to me and you this morning, little old you, in your little old neck of the woods, I think God would say the same thing. I'm going to do something awesome with your life if you let me. I'm going to do something significant with you. I'm going to make you a great nation. I'm going to make you a great people. I'm going to make this a great church. I'm, I'm going to do something great where they say you're all oppressed, where it can't be done, because I'm going to put my blessing on it, and that blessing is going to increase favor on you. It's going to make you a blessing and a dispenser of because that's the thing about the blessing. It just rolls over. It overflows. But God said, I'm, I'm going to do that. Now, how do we know that's for us? Because in Galatians chapter 3, the Bible says this, Jesus became the curse so that the blessing of Abraham could come on you. You're an heir of Abraham. You're a spiritual heir. Well, what, what does that mean? Well, first of all, the curse was three things. The curse in the Old Testament was, number one, it was separation from God. Number two, it was sickness and disease. Number three, it was poverty. And the Bible says this, that Jesus went to the cross because the cross is a symbol of the curse, and he actually took your curse on him so that the original blessing that we read about a moment ago could come on you, and you would be an heir of Abraham. And he says, he said, so the blessing of Abraham, and whether, you, whether you've ever heard this or not or want to agree with, you don't have to agree, you can be wrong, but this is really, the blessing means this, spiritual and material prosperity. That's what the blessing means. Because people like to fight this prospering thing. Why would you fight what God wants to bless you with? They says, I want to bless you. I want to stir up on your life because Jesus made a way for you to be blessed and prospered. And that word bless is, is, a, is a, it's, it's, it's an amazing word. But to look at the word blessed, we have to look at the opposite word, which is what? The word cursed. And so what is a curse? You got to check this out. The word cursed means everything naturally working against you. And you were cursed. It means everything naturally working against you. But what does the word blessed mean? It means everything supernaturally working for you. We, we, could, we could say it this way. Y'all doing all right? This is good. Um, we could say it this way. When God said, I bless you or you're blessed, it, it, it means this. Blessed liberally with spiritual and material blessing. It means a supernatural power working for you. It means when God said it, it was a declaration to empower you for success and prosperity. It means to come to a place to be without want, to be without worry, and to be without need. It also means this, that things would go well that he puts in your hand. Psalm 115, it's not up here, but it says this, that he will increase you more and more, and your children, you're the blessed of the Lord. The blessing is a big deal. The Barak of God or the blessing of God. This blessing in chapter 12 of Genesis that we see in Galatians, Jesus made this available for you and me in this age that we are in because he took the curse and so we could be blessed. When God looks at your life and what he declares over your life as one of his stewards is this. If he finds you faithful, the blessing of God works in your life and your life will increase. You will be fruitful. You will multiply. So don't settle for average. I, I never forget one time years ago, my oldest daughter was uh, on a dance team, and we were taking uh, one of her friends home, and they were, they were talking about these awards you got in, in, in their dance and everything, and her one friend said in the car, she goes, I'm not really worried about that. She goes, I just want to be average. So I can't say to you, I've never heard someone say they want to be average. She said, I just want to be average. Now, my daughter didn't say that. Thank goodness God, I preached all over that. God didn't design you to be average, or he wouldn't have blessed you. Now, I'm not saying we're not content with where we're at. We talked about that last week. But I'm saying God put this thing in you for, for success. And but here's what God did not do. When he sent the spies into the promised land, he didn't put those grapes in their hand, but he put them within their reach. And God puts these blessings and these things within your reach. But he's designed you to be fruitful and to multiply. Now, now look what he said in Genesis chapter 12. 
he said this, that there will be, because of the blessing, there will be increase on you. Everyone say increase. I want you from this moment on to anticipate and expect a spirit of increase on your life. In your finances, in your relationships, in your business, in your emotional well-being, in your spiritual well-being. Because some of you anticipate the worst all the time. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to tell you something to change your perspective. Now, I am not preaching that you won't ever have a setback or a problem But those are hurdles in the life of a believer. Even if there's a setback, he sets you up for a comeback, right? I want you to anticipate God's best. Come on, on your marriage, on your business, in your health, on your life. So when it doesn't go that way, that should be out of the ordinary. Some of you were brought up to to anticipate and expect the worst in every situation. So when something does go right, you're expecting something worse to happen. Come on, am I talking to the right crowd? But you're blessed. He declared a prosperous journey on you. So in Genesis 12, he, he literally said, I will bless you. Now, what did he bless them with? A couple of things. One, favor. He said, I will will speak a blessing on you, and it will bring the favor of God. Well, what's the favor of God? It's another way of saying the goodness of God. The unmerited, unearned goodness of God. Undeserved. Are y'all hearing me? You don't live by fate. You live by the favor of God. The favor of God means to have God's advantage. I've said this before. This will mess with you. God loves everybody the same. He absolutely does. But he favors people differently. Well, he said, that doesn't sound fair. Well, he favors you according to your faith, your faithfulness. We just read a story about it. But God says, I will bless you. And one thing that will be evident of the blessing of God would be the favor of God on your life. I don't have time to go into it. Maybe we'll do a series on the favor. We haven't done that for a while. But it does lots of cool things. It helps you win battles that you don't have to fight. It helps you get promoted where you don't deserve it. Has anyone ever seen the favor of God on your life? Well, if God said you're blessed to multiply and increase, you should anticipate the favor of God is on my life. How about this? Not only favor, another thing he said, you will increase in favor. And another thing he says here that, that, that's awesome is legacy or reputation. Or he said, I'm going to make your name famous. Now, God's not saying you're all going to make it on the, the, you know, the, the front lines of the, 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 the newspaper or get an Oscar. That may happen. But I'm just saying what he's saying about this. In the Bible, a name was very important. Because it had everything to do, when they, when they gave a name to, to a child, it gave them an, an identity and it would set the course for their life. So when God says, I'm going to make your name, what does that mean? He's going to favor you. He's going to make you prosper, prosperous and successful. And if you know anything about someone who um, is prosperous and successful in the right way, they have a good reputation. They're just a good person. That's what the Bible says, that you're going to be known for being a good person, a man or woman of God, a good reputation, and a good legacy. So favor, legacy, and the other thing he says here, that I will increase you and bless you, and you will be a blessing to others. In other words, he will increase influence. Because he's going to make your life significant with the favor of God, with a good name, and with an increase of influence. And I just want you to hear something. That's what this thing is about anyway, is kingdom influence and influencing people for the goodness of God, for the kingdom of God. And so what God is saying is, hey, first of all, this maintenance thing, just, just laying back and getting by and just, that, that, that does not get the blessing of God. That's the enemy of how God designed you. But when you learn to be faithful, you're going to be fruitful. And no one may have ever told you you were blessed before because all you ever heard was someone curse you. Someone spoke curses over you. You can't be. You won't have. You're not good enough. If someone said that over you for years, that's why Jesus said, I need to say something that's going to change your perspective. And I want to tell you something. If you've been cursed over and cursed at all your life, 
I want you to hear this. What, what will change that? To know you're blessed. If a human has put a curse on you, spoke a curse on you, directed a curse on you, what will break that? A blessing from God will break that. To know that you're favored. You got a name. God wrote his name on you. He said, I'll make you, I'll make you distinguished. So what he said to Abram, I, I, he, had, he had no offspring. God said, follow me. Come out from under that curse. Come out from under your family, your relatives. Follow me. I'm going to take you to a different place. I'm going to write my, he actually changed Abraham's name. From Abram to Abraham, he put the God in his name. You know what God did for you? He put the God on your name. And blessed you. Some of you need to grasp this. Because every demon in hell wants you to think that you're impoverished. You're from West Virginia. you got oppression over you. Let me just erase that. you got the blessing of God on you. You've got a spirit of increase on you. You've got a spirit of legacy on you. I'm telling you, whatever someone spoke... You know, I, me and my wife spent a few years at a, working in a different state, and they used to make fun of stuff all the time about West Virginia. I didn't think it was funny. You got to answer that stuff. Come on, don't, don't increase those jokes, and don't give it support. This is what I wonder. You ever watch the news? They always find the person to represent West Virginia. I'm like, out of everyone you could have picked at this scene of this incident... You sought them out. <laughs> Come on, are you with me? Yeah. I like this, the word blessed. When you translate that word, you bring it over into the New Testament, into the church age. It means this, to be full of happiness and joy. So when God says, I put a blessing on you, he doesn't want you depressed and discouraged. He wants you to grow in happiness and grow in joy and anticipation of the favor of God and the goodness of God. All right, I got to get my last point in. Wasn't that good? So as a steward, we're, we're, we're to protect, we're to be responsible, we're to be accountable, but we're also supposed to be stewards that are willing to let God use us to expand things. So maintenance is the enemy of multiplication. Fruitfulness is the friend of the faithful. Here's my last one. Reward is the way of the willing. Reward is the way of the willing. I love this scripture in Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 19. Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. We'll put that on the screen. If, everyone say if. If you point at someone and say, he's talking to you, homie. If you are Two things. If you are willing and you are obedient, the result or the reward is that you shall eat the good of the land. All God requires is that you and I get willing and obedient, and then God will let us enjoy the best of the land. If you're willing, if you're obedient, if you're a willing steward, if you are a responsible steward, if you are a faithful steward, if you can work on those two things in your life, to be willing and to obedient, I'm telling you, you're going you're to take things places. Can you pop that back up there for me for just a minute? Because one of the struggles that you and I have are these two things. Because we're not always so willing and we're not always so obedient because we're so full of ourselves. Our own pride, our own wants, our own desires, our own opinions, all this stuff. But if you and I can just work on those two things, to get willing and to get obedient, what God could do. There may be some areas of your life where you're not eating the best of the land because you have not been willing and obedient in those areas. There might be some areas you're enjoying some of the best of the land because you've been willing and obedient, but we need to get willing and obedient in all those areas. It is for your good and it is for your advantage. Now, listen to this little statement. God's rewards or God rewards, his rewards are directly related to our willingness and our obedience, directly related. If you remember the story um, with the unjust or the wicked steward, the master said to him, I'm going to respond to you in the manner of your words. He called him an unjust 
master. So he said, then I'm going to operate with you according to what you said. God's going to respond to us according to our willingness and our obedience. The Bible says this, that God honors you and me in the way that we honor him. In other words, our honor is how God responds to us. I want to challenge you with this willingness and this obedience. It'll go a long way. Now, we're talking about being stewards, responsible for what God's put in our hand. Now, let me say this, that this parable, and a lot of these parables that I've read in this series are directly financial parables, and so is the one I read to you today. Now, it, it has a, a lot of other applications, has a lot of other applications that we can put in every area of our life, but directly, it's really talking about the resources in our lives. And would it be the will of God that God would take your current resource level and expand you? It would be the will of God when we learn to get willing and obedient. So I want to, uh, I haven't spent a lot of time just on the money part, but I want to end on that financial part this morning. If you would just give me like a, a, another couple of moments. And so I put this together, I asked Pastor Devin just to, to make me a slide. And if we could get willing and obedient with this formula... I think you'll see some real changes in your life. You, just, you can snap a picture of that if you want to. And, and let's just, I'm just going to have him leave that up there for a moment. First of all, this is what you and I need to do, is we need to settle the tithe. Here's what I mean by that. I, I will tell you that a lot of churches will argue about this, and a lot of believers just, they get into real contention over this tithe thing. And I want to challenge you, if we're going to get willing and obedient, this is where it needs to start. Let's just settle this tithe thing. You say, what's the tithe? Well, the tithe is a, it's 10%. It's the first fruit principle. It's the first 10%. If you make $1,000 a week, well, how much is God's? 10% of that, 100 Actually, the tithe is not even giving. It's returning to the Lord. So this faithfulness, this increasing part, this how do, how do I multiply, how do I grow, especially in the area of resources, it starts right here. I'm going to settle the tithe issue. How many of you remember the moment you settled the tithe issue? For some of you, it was challenging. For some of you, it was easy. I remember when I first uh, started, got a job in the ministry, and I was trying to work out a budget thing. I remember my, my, uh, my mom and dad sat down with me, and we worked out the first thing is what? The tithe. And I've never deviated from that. God takes your little 10% and blesses your 90%. And I will tell you, it does not matter. Hear me. It does not matter who's writing the checks in D.C. and who's adjusting the budgets and where inflation goes. I don't like it either. Someone told me, someone gave me a mug that said, if you voted for Joe Biden, you owe me gas money. Okay, get it? That was funny, right? Sorry. Um, no matter what happens in all that stuff, no matter what, listen to me, no matter what happens and all of that stuff, God's in covenant with tithers. You will not go down, you will not go under, but we got to settle that issue. Why? Because that's an issue out of willingness and obedience. And I know what some people think, well, just let me say it this way. It doesn't matter if I know or not. Just because God's not visible doesn't mean he's not present. I will tell you, you can ask. I don't have passwords, combinations to any of what y'all give. Because I don't want to look at you any different. I, I just, I don't look. I don't go in and say, who gives the most? And who gives? I don't do that. You can ask him. I don't, I don't even know. One reason, because I can't remember all those passwords. I can't remember those combinations. But two, I don't, I don't want to know. Because it is a God thing. But I will tell you, I'll be wrong if I didn't encourage you to settle the tithe issue. Then what else do we do? Well, we spend wisely. You make $3,000 a month, how many know you don't spend 4000 Someone needs to tell our government that too, right? <laughs> we spend wisely, we save diligently, and we sow what? We sow generously. That's very practical, but that's how you work the blessing of God. The blessing of God is not you wake up one day, scratch something off one thing, and win $207 million. We settle the tithe, we spend wisely, we save diligently, and we sow generously. Now this scripture isn't on the screen, but I want to throw this scripture out to you. Proverbs eleven twenty five. 25. 
This is a scripture for generosity. I love this scripture. It says this, a generous person will prosper. A generous person will prosper. And the rest of that verse says this, whoever refreshes others, they themselves will be refreshed. As stewards, how do you, how do you see God increase you in that area? That formula I gave right there. And I want to just talk about the last one for a moment. Remember what Genesis 12 said? Blessed to be a blessing. And when your ship comes in one day, that's not when you start being a blessing. You start trying to figure out how to be a blessing when you're flipping the burgers at McDonald's. Well, when I have more, I'll be a blessing. No, you, you understand. I, I start working on a blessing because God said I'm blessed. And when you start being a blessing and you start sowing, you start being generous, that's when God does what? Opens the pipelines, starts with the tithe, continues his generosity. Because you got to understand, everything I am is connected to everything he has. So when he says, you're blessed, it's not just what I can see in my bank account right now. It's just not what my income is right now. God has a way of superseding that, rearranging that, adjusting that, adding to that. that that's, God gets in, you want God involved with your money? That's how you do it right there. Not stinginess. Not hold on. And re- I'm not, I'm, you got to be you know, smart with your budget, all that. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the Bible says the generous will prosper. When they refresh others, guess what God does to them? Refreshes to them. There is actually a medical or scientific proven fact that when you are generous and give, it's called a giver's high. It releases, in, it releases endorphins in your body. It's actually the same endorphins, not to be weird, it's the same endorphins re- released during sex. It's called a giver's high. Generosity. Someone said, man, you seem like you're high. I'm high. On the most high. I'm high on being generous. And man, what time to grasp a hold of these proven principles that when everything around us is shaken and everything around us is, 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 is blowing and and. and, and in confusion, in questions, and chaos. How about as a steward? I'm going to just step up and continue to be faithful and to be generous and to believe God and watch what God does in the middle of inflation and all this other stuff. He will do with you what he did with those stewards that he talked about. If I can shift your perspective, I can take what you've been faithful to and I'll increase you. I will favor you. Let, 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 me, let me end with these thoughts. Why don't we all stand up for, for just a moment? There is this story in the book of 1 Kings. And Elijah prophesies a drought and a famine. And it comes on the land. And that's the story where Elijah, God, God moves Elijah and instructs him to go beside this brook. And for this period of time, God, every morning and every evening, brings a raven, is the original DoorDash. A raven would bring Elijah bread and meat every morning. And he was by this clean brook and he would drink. So during a famine, during crazy times God took Elijah and he sustained him then all of a sudden the the brook dried up and DoorDash stopped coming and God told Elijah he said go to Zarephath there's a widow there and ask her for food so he comes to the city there's this widow getting ready to build a fire and he says to her I want you to feed me. And she says, I have just barely enough food. I was just going to build this little fire, eat this little bit of food for me and my son, and then we're going to die because there's no more. And Elijah said, give it to the man of God. 
Well, she did what Elijah instructed. Elijah said, if you do this, yours will never dry up. She couldn't explain how it happened, but she kept having more and having more, and God kept sustaining her from that act of obedience. Fast forward, the story goes a little bit, and her son dies. She calls for Elijah to come. Elijah comes, lays on her son, raises him back to life. Here's the point to why I'm telling you that. God wasn't after her last meal, and God's not after your money. God was after her heart. The same thing God's after with you and me is her heart. But that act of willingness and obedience did not just feed her. It created a miracle when her son died. And you have to understand that your willingness and your obedience is a little bit bigger than your offering on a Sunday. It's an act of your heart. It's an act of your worship. And it keeps you in covenant with God. And you don't know, but that, w- that could be the catalyst for a miracle you need down the road. Because that's what God was after, the heart of the widow, not her last meal, not her money. And God, God does, he's not after your, 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 your little bit of money. God's after your heart. He's after your willingness. He's after your obedience. And what God does is that keeps you in faithfulness with God. That keeps you in a place with God where, guess what? That's just a, that's just a test of obedience. It's just a test of willingness. Because it, it, when we pass those tests, it becomes the catalyst. It becomes the energy. It becomes the momentum for your next breakthrough, for your next level, for your next miracle, for your for God, it lets God continue to be God all up in your life. How many got something good out of this series? Now, this is one of those series that's a little bit more than just shout on Sunday morning. It's like, it's a take-home test. It's not just, it's more than you just walking through the line saying, that was good. Thank you for preaching that this morning. It's one of those where you got to be like, give me a fist bump on the way out and go home and say, I need to make some adjustments. I got to make sure first thing is first in my life. And everything flows out of that. That is what God blesses. Not your perfection, but just your willingness and your obedience in those areas. And we've been singing this song through this whole series. I don't know if you're tired of it yet or not. It's called Make Room. So we're going to end this series. I'll be back up for our our offering and, and we'll close out this morning. But as we sing this song, I just want you to think about the words making room. Here's what I love about serving God. There may be some areas of your life God's been crowded out in and you haven't been so willing or God, that's mine, don't touch that. What God, I think, wants to do through this song today is just, God, show me the areas where I just need to make some more room for you. Now, I just want you to know, the Bible says this, when we're willing and obedient, It commands the blessing of God. It commands the blessing of God. Even if you've messed up, if you repent and get it right, and do the right thing, it commands the blessing of God. God's a God of redemption, restoration, and reversal. Sometimes we need to have these moments where like, God, I'm sorry I haven't been so willing there or so obedient there. Maybe you didn't know, or maybe you've just... Maybe you need a perspective shifter. Maybe you just haven't been a bit. This is the moment to say, God, I'm willing to make some adjustments and make some room.